You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Pastor Chris is away on a retreat today. Kids are uh, free to go to Children's Church. Today I'm going to preach on learning to let go so we can receive God's best from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And Valentine's Day, uh, a week ago Friday, my wife and I stayed home, uh, partly because we're old, um, but uh, we, we like to go to bed earlier than most people. Uh, and we watched, we stayed home and we watched the movie The Greatest Showman. And so Hugh Jackman stars in that. It's a, a movie, it's a fictional movie about P.T. Barnum. Uh, great music and dancing in it, we enjoy that. But if you watch the movie, in the movie, P.T. Barnum comes from a very humble beginning. He's a very poor person. And he becomes, uh, his desire is to, to achieve fame and riches. Uh, and he becomes infatuated with a, a very wealthy man's daughter when, she was, when he was young. And he eventually marries her. And as he builds his business and he starts his circus, um, he, he starts chasing the approval of the socialite. And as he starts to chase the approval of the socialites, because they've been rejecting him, they, don't, they see him as an outsider, as he does that, he loses all of his wealth and possessions, and he almost loses his family in the movie. Now, near the end of the movie, he hands off the reins of his job as the showman to, to a fictional character, a partner of his, so that he can serve his family. He wants to serve his family, and he, and he chooses to let go of what he was trying to pursue before and to take hold of that which was better, which was the love of his wife and his children. Now, there's parts of this movie where I just wanted to grab Hugh Jackman by the collar and shake him because I can see where he's destroying his life, especially... There's one scene where he's uh, getting into a carriage because in order to chase these socialites, he's brought an opera singer over from, from Europe and he's taking this woman, Jenny Lind, uh, on a tour. And as he's driving out of his driveway, his daughters are chasing the carriage and crying. And I go, you dummy. You know, these are your kids. In our passage today, as I, I talk about a rich young ruler, um, he had great wealth and he had been pursuing wealth and he'd been and trying to do many things, but tragically, he doesn't ever let go, as far as we know, to receive what is better. And the title I've chosen is Learning to Let Go So We Can Receive God's Best. Um, that's a, a launching point for us to start with. Uh, but my bumper sticker today, a little bit longer than normal, it says, I must know so I can follow. I must follow so I can know. So I, I have to know Jesus so I can follow him, but I must follow him to get to know him. Let's read our passage this morning. Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. As he, and this is Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Well, I want us to step into our holy imaginations. I like to look at stories and and events in Scripture, and I like to try to place myself in them. And so we're going to do that today. And here's what's happening. Jesus is leaving town. He's done preaching in this town. He's going to the next town. His disciples have started packing up their cloaks. They've got their lunch boxes all packed, so food's in their lunch boxes. And they were waving goodbye to all the people they met, and they start down the road. And this well-dressed young man, well-groomed young man, comes running up to them. And it, it must be really important because he's running up to Jesus, and he falls down in front of him and on his knees, and he says to Jesus, uh, looking up at him with pleading eyes, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Now let's step out of the story here. I want to point out that the question he's asking is not the right question. Because he's asking, what must I do? What must I do? It's a works-based question. He's looking for eternal life in the works that he can perform. But isn't that the question of the day? We're asking all the time, what must I do to receive or to, to go to heaven, to get into heaven? Jesus begins to direct him towards the right question when he says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? See, this is a relationship-based question. Why do you call me good? He's asking, do you even know me? Do you know me? You're calling me good. Have I met you before? Do you know me? And this is what is really important. We need to know Jesus. So Jesus tells this young man, only God is good. Notice he never says, I'm not good. He says, only God is good. What he's doing, he's he's telling this young man, I am God. Jesus then tells the young man, you know what the law says, and quotes a partial list of the Ten Commandments. I want you to note that the commandments that he quotes are all horizontal. They're all towards people in this world. Not a single one that he quotes is vertical towards God, has anything to do with God. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. This is a works-based answer to a works-based question. So what commandments are missing? Here's Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 12. It says, first of all, do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on earth below or in the waters underneath. Do not bow and worship to them. Do not serve them because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of fathers, iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. What is missing is everything having to do with God. Everything has to do with our relationship with God. The list Jesus gave him was all about relating to people. And at this point, the young man says, I have done all the people stuff since I, as long as I can remember, from when I was a kid, my paraphrase. All the people around Jesus are probably nodding and saying, because they know this young man. They're nodding and saying, yep, yep, he's, he's, he's done all of this. Uh, and, and they're thinking, Jesus is about to tell him, you're good. Um, you know, you're, you're doing all the right things. I can't add anything to what you're doing. Go about your life. No worries, mate. But that's not what he says. That's not what he says at all. He's about to answer his question now with the relationship question. The real question, a question that's not just about eternal life, but living eternally starting now. It's not about after death. It's about from today forward. And Jesus looks at the young man, his eyes filled with love for him because he knows this guy's heart and he wants to do the right thing. And he says, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this point, I can imagine all the people around, it goes silent. It's like in the movies where the time stands still, you know, so the bird's wings are moving like this, and, and dust is suspended in the light, and everybody's jaws are dropping, and, and you can almost hear all of the air being sucked out of the environment as they breathe in deeply, and, and, they're, and, and they're thinking, do you even know this guy? He, he has done, I mean, look how wealthy he is. God has to have been blessing him. He's so wealthy. He's living the dream. And all of that was evidence to them that God really approved of this man's life. And slowly, everyone lets the air out. They just sucked in. And the young man's eyes drop. His hands drop to his side, limp and lifeless. Eyes that a moment ago that were filled with hope are now filled with despair. He drags himself to his feet like a defeated athlete and walks away with a heavy heart. He would not let go of his possession because he loved them. So what can we learn from this event? This young man is caught up in a works mentality, one that was taught to him from when he was a little kid that you have to do certain things to earn God's favor, to earn eternal life. And the people who were teaching him, the spiritual leaders, were constantly adding to the list of rules. So there was always one more thing that they needed to do. So that drives that question, what do I lack? There's something missing here. What do I need to have that assurance of eternal life? Because he felt like he was missing or lacking one thing. Jesus identified the one thing he lacked. A trusting, loving relationship with God. Now, if we are bound in a works-based faith, 
we will not have assurance that we are heaven-bound. Because we can never know if we've done all the right things. And God's standard says, if you go to the, a few verses after this, it says that God's standard is perfection. And we can never be perfect. We cannot earn eternal life with our good works. We will doubt. We will live in fear. We will waver. We will have despair instead of joy. And we'll begin to resent God because we can't meet his standard. When we are asking the what question, what do I need to do eternal life, we will always feel we are lacking. And that's because it's impossible to measure up. Only God is good. So how can we find this joy, this peace, this fulfillment that, that we are lacking, that we think that we are lacking? And we need to be able to answer the two questions that Jesus asked in this passage and be able to answer them yes. The first question is, do you know me? The second question is, will you follow me? Now, as he's giving these questions, he also has two statements that he makes, and he says, I am God. You will have treasures in heaven. Do we know Jesus? Do we really know who Jesus is? Do we see him as good? If someone asked you to write down everything you know about Jesus, would it fill a post-it note? Or would it fill a library? Is our picture of Jesus a myth or is it reality? Am I actively seeking to know him better? Now, Becky is probably the only person on this earth who truly knows me. She knows my weaknesses. She knows my strengths. She knows what food I like. She knows my sleeping habit, or nowadays, my lack of sleeping habits. She knows me because she has lived with me for almost 39 years. She has spent time with me. We have had conversations. I have shared with her my pain, my fears, my dreams, and my goals. And this is how Jesus wants us to know him. So how do we get to know him? We have to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. It begins with that. When, when, we, when we do, we gain what the rich man was searching for. We gain that eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 through 13 says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Go on in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. Works-based faith does not work. It is by grace, the unmerited gift of God, Jesus did the work on the cross, that we are saved. He paid the price for our sins. It is through faith, trusting in those works that Jesus has done, that we receive that gift of eternal life. A simple prayer, honestly and sincerely, sincerely accepting the gift of Jesus, a decision of our will to submit to his plan, is all we need to do. John 5.24 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Has passed from an eternal destiny in hell to an eternal destiny in heaven. 
So if you'd like to uh, come into a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I just ask you to join me. Um, the words are not important. What matters is what you're asking in your heart, and that is to come into that personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, I know that there is not anything that I can do to earn eternal life. You've already paid for all my sins. I want to receive the gift of eternal life you offer. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I thank you for hearing this prayer and granting these requests. Now, if you prayed with me this morning or have done so in the past, you can know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5 tells us, I read it earlier, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, the second thing that we need to do if we're going to get to know Jesus is we need to spend time learning about him. And we learn, uh, we, we learn, we get to know Jesus by reading what was written about him and through prayer asking him to reveal his, himself to us. When we have a personal relationship with, us, with him, he lives in us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guide us into his truth. John, one of his disciples, wrote this in, in John chapter 16. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, his Holy Spirit is given to us. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own, but he will speak, of, uh, he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, that is Jesus, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus will speak to us through his Holy Spirit. Now, I have a bunch of little notebooks. If I could get some people to help me hand these out, um, everybody should have one. This is part of my application this morning. And these notebooks are to help us get to know Jesus. And I got a head start on this. Uh, they're to help us get to know Jesus. And it's a simple thing that we can do to build our relationship with him and understanding of, of, of who he is. So what I'm going to ask you to do is each day open your Bibles, and I suggest you start with one of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And before you begin reading, I want you to just say a very simple prayer. And a prayer could be as simple as this. Jesus, please show yourself to me in your word today. I want, you, I want to know you more. When you find a characteristic or something about Jesus, write down the verse and reference in this little notebook what you learned. Very simple. Each day, you're going to find something new about Jesus. We will begin adding to our knowledge of who Jesus is. Now, my wife has put this up. This was um, from the 219. I was reading Mark 10, 46 through 52. And there's a blind beggar standing on the side of the road, and he's crying out, um, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, Jesus stops. And he asks him, what do you want? He says, I want to be able to see. And Jesus heals him. What did I learn about Jesus? I learned that Jesus is a listener. He hears us. He's listening. He wants to hear from us. Now, it doesn't matter how long you've had a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter how many times you've read through Scripture. Jesus is God. Jesus is infinite. There's always something more we can learn about him. Our relationship, our knowledge of Jesus does never have to end. We will not fully know him until we see him in heaven. Now that brings us to the second question that Jesus asked the young man. He says, will you follow me? And we won't follow someone we don't know. 
I'm not just going to blindly follow somebody that I don't know. But I can't get to know somebody unless I start following them. Kind of a, a little bit of a conundrum there for me. In today's world, we think of terms of following. We think of Facebook, Instagram, sports teams, which allows us to follow many things at once, and we can compartmentalize our following because I can follow this person on Instagram, I can follow this person on Facebook, I can follow, uh, you may not want to follow the Vikings, they've not been doing very well the last few years, um, but we can compartmentalize our lives that way and follow them. But with Jesus, with following Jesus, it's like going on a journey through the wilderness we call life. And it means we have to stay on a singular path. You can't follow multiple people and be on the same path that Jesus is on. Because he is infinite, though, my path will be different than your path. But both paths are singular. Jesus, I have to follow Jesus alone. I can't be following other things. And this is why he asked a rich young uh, man to sell his belongings. He cannot journey with Jesus if he's constantly looking back at his stuff. This man's path required him to get rid of those things that would keep him from following the singular path. He would be distracted. He would be pulled away by his wealth if he was asked to follow Jesus because Jesus wasn't going to stay in that town. Jesus wasn't going to be near his business. Jesus was taking him someplace else. His love for wealth prevented him from following Jesus, and he went away sad. Following Jesus requires that as he asks us, we remove the things from our lives that keep us from following, those barriers. For some, it may be possessions. Some, it's a secret sin that we hold on to. Some, it may be time wasters, you know, video games, whatever. That's not a problem for me. Golf is my time waster. For some, it may be a relationship that is taking them away from Jesus. For everyone, it will be something different. But we must learn to let go if we are going to follow. We must learn to let go so that we can receive God's best for our lives. 1 John 5.21, the very last line in John's uh, first letter, uh, this is from the, the New Living Translation, says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Now in my CSB, it says it a little bit differently. It says, little children, guard yourself from idols. The young man's money had become, his possessions had become his idol. We need to not have idols. When Jesus told the parable of the sower sowing seeds, he talked about different soils, how when the seed fell on these different soils, how it would grow differently. And so I want to read his explanation of that from Matthew 13. It says this, So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away that what was sown in his heart. This is the, the one who was sown along the path. The one who was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but it has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but worries of, the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one who is sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Notice the third soil. It says that the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth 
choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. When we cling to this world and what it has to offer, it chokes the spiritual life right out of us. We need to let go so that we can receive God's best. This means we have to ask God to search us. We need him to to tell us uh, what we need to remove from our lives. It may not be possessions. Your possessions may not own you. Uh, You may own your possessions. That is uh, certainly possible. We need to each ask him. And David writes a prayer at the end of Psalm 139, and this is how we can ask God to search us. And it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. When our knowledge of God reaches a point where we fully understand that he is good, when we fully understand that he loves us, that he wants our best, then we can pray this prayer with confidence. And and we would be willing to pray that. When we can earnestly and honestly pray this prayer, we will truly be able to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. So as we grow in our trust of God, as we grow in our knowledge of God, this prayer becomes easier and easier because we see God helping us remove the things that are hurting us spiritually. What we need to do is we need to pray this every day. We need to confess our sins. We need to remove the things from our life that are blocking our walk. Now, the second part of following God is learning to serve others through him. When Jesus asked the rich young man to sell all he had, he did not say, go put it in a bank account for later. He didn't say, give it to me. He didn't even say, give it to me. No, he said, go sell all you have and give to the poor. When Jesus asks us to follow, he wants us to come and learn from him, and he wants us to learn to serve his kingdom. Learn so that we can bear fruit. When I shared the passage about the sower, the last soil, the good soil, created a crop that bore fruit. If you plant a a kernel of corn, it's going to grow a corn stalk. Now, John can probably correct me, but it's my understanding corn stalks have three ears of corn on them, two or three ears of corn. Yep. So they'll have two to three ears of corn. Each ear of corn will have more than one. If, if it's been properly pollinated, will have more than one seed. Jesus wants to plant his word in our hearts, and as we follow him, that will become a fruit, we'll become a fruit-bearing cornstalk. And then we'll have seeds that we can spread to others because the word of God will have been planted in our hearts. We can take that word of God and plant it in others. And we can grow more corn stalks, which will produce more fruit. And that is what God has called us as a church to do. We need to help believers grow. That's part of what we do. And we need to help others become believers. We cannot do this if our hands are full of the world's stuff. We need to follow Jesus and let him fill our hands and lives with his stuff. Learning to follow is harder than getting to know Jesus, but it's worth it. It's hard because we have to clear stuff out of our schedules and our lives to make following Jesus a priority. It requires that we are continually growing. It requires us to take time to study God's word. It requires that we take time to share our lives with others, both believers, non-believers, or those who will become believers. We need to get involved in in life groups or other groups like that. We need to spend time with our neighbors. We need time together encouraging one another, whether it's in the large group setting like this or in the small group setting, meeting together as a church so that we can grow. It requires letting go. And some of the things that God is going to ask us to let go of are going to be good things. 
They're not going to be detrimental things, but we need better things. We need the best thing that God has to offer. Now Jesus made those two statements I I shared before. He said, I am God. Jesus is the one true God. If we want to have eternal life, we have to know him, and he has to know us. He wants to know us, and he wants us to follow him. Jesus, in John 14, 6, Jesus told him, it says this, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then the second statement he makes is, I will give you treasures in heaven. The things this earth has to offer will only bring temporary pleasure. I can go out and buy a brand new car. In 10 years, it's not going to be new. Uh, it's actually going to probably be falling apart the way I drive. Romans eight sixteen and 17 says this. This, uh, uh, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. If, chil- if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that, so that we may also be glorified with him. As children born into God's family through Christ, all the treasures of heaven are ours. We are co-owners, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We are going to have that. If we have that personal relationship with Jesus, and and we're following him, someday that is ours. And some of it is here today, the relationships that we have, our treasures in heaven. Now as I prepared this message, it has been my prayer that each and every one of us will know Jesus, that we will desire to know him more, that each one of us will have that personal relationship with Jesus that each one of us would be able to and willing to let go of the things that are creating barriers in our spiritual walk that would prevent us from fully following Jesus, and that we would follow him with our whole hearts, fulfilling his purpose for all of us, which is to help others grow in their relationship with Jesus, to introduce others to him so that they can know and follow too. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you invite us to come and follow you, Lord that you want to know us as much as uh, we should want to know you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to answer those two questions. Do you know Jesus? Will you follow him with resounding yeses? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.